So like, even if you don't know what that next thing is, even if you don't know what your in quotations purpose is, it doesn't actually matter because no matter where you get to, you even said it earlier, like no matter what milestone you hit, there's always a next milestone. There's always a next milestone. There's always a next milestone. And if we're only basing our satisfaction, quality of life off of where we are in terms of our milestones, we're going to completely, we're going to be dissatisfied forever because we're always chasing a moving goalpost. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, Balancers, and welcome to episode 75 of The Balance Theory podcast. Today, I'm joined by Natalie Levy, where we discuss finding your niche, turning pain into power and healing through business. Before I introduce Natalie and share a little bit about who she is and what else you can expect on today's episode, I did want to share a beautiful quote I read and I actually posted on my Instagram a few weeks ago, but I thought would be really nice to remind us all of this morning. It's from Young Pueblo and it reads, it is not about managing your emotions. It is about managing your reaction to those emotions. I really love this quote because what it screams to me is choice. You have a choice in the moment. Not about how you feel, but what you choose to do with those feelings. You're entitled to feel sadness, anger, guilt, disappointment, fear, all these things that we feel like consume us. But what it comes down to is how we react and choose to act from those emotions. And I think that's what's the huge dividing factor and ultimate decider in our life path. So just something I really, really wanted to share because I just love that quote. And I think it's a really good concept for us to think about, especially if you're currently dealing with some difficult emotions, it's a nice reminder to say, hey, you're entitled to feel those, but you can also choose how you react to them. So I think a nice little way to kick off today's conversation. Now, our guest today, Natalie, is a business coach for women who want to launch online service-centered businesses, and she's also the founder of the Babes Who Brunch Club. Today, we chat all things from turning pain into power, how to find your niche and passion, studying and completing a degree, and then realizing it's maybe not for you, which you know is also my kind of journey. I studied law for five years. By the time I finished working in it's up to 10 years now. And having a moment where you realize maybe this is not what I want to be defined by. Maybe this is not what I want to do forever. And Natalie had a really similar experience. Plus, she shares her experience traveling the world through following her intuition, how to heal through having and growing a business and learning how to love yourself at every stage of life. I'm really grateful for Natalie's genuineness on today's podcast. She's very down to earth and my first guest from Mexico, which was also really exciting. You can connect with Natalie more on her Instagram. I'll pop her handle in the show notes below or visit her website as well. If you haven't had a chance to leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, it would mean the world to me and our growing community. So feel free to do so. You can also do so on Spotify by clicking the three little dots in the top right hand corner. Otherwise, if you love this episode, feel free to send it to a friend or family member so that we can spread the love and I hope you enjoy it. Let's dive straight in. All right, Balancers, today I'm joined by someone all the way from Tulum in Mexico. A big welcome to Natalie Levy. Welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. You're the first one I've interviewed from Mexico, so I'm glad I got my uh, conversion of timing all correct. I've had so many nightmares in the past trying to tee that up. But uh, what's how, how's living in Mexico? What's happening on your side of the world? It's, it's truly beautiful. Um, I came here, we were just talking about it about a year and a half ago. And I came here without really any idea of 
whether or not I was going to stay. Like I had no return flight, but I also had no plans and um, I've stayed. So I do love it quite a bit. And yeah, I just built a life here. I've met my boyfriend now. So we've been together for about a year and we're living together and the weather is always beautiful. I just hosted my first retreat in February. So all things are good on my end, <laughs> my side of the world. Amazing. And so our followers and our listeners get a little bit of a feel for what you do. Can you explain just that and a little bit about who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a coach for women who want to launch online service-centered businesses, specifically in the wellness and lifestyle space. And I often work with women either in the very beginning stages, like they have an idea of what they want to do, but they haven't yet launched. They don't have a brand. They don't really have products or services. And I help from point A to point Z, (laughs) so to speak, (laughs) um, in building the foundation, getting launched and all the necessary components of running your business sustainably over time. I also will work with people who are already launched, like they have an online presence, they have a brand, but they want to scale. Maybe they haven't made it quite profitable yet, or maybe it's just not as profitable as, as they want it to be. And so I'll help them basically go from that to having their first, you know, many clients <laughs> is the idea. Awesome. And I know like whenever I talk to people like yourself or I see people online who have already niched into this type of coaching work or whatever it is they're doing, you almost think like, oh, wow, that's so incredible. They've found their thing, but I know it doesn't always start that way. And I know it takes time and experience to kind of find that thing for you. So can you talk to me a little bit about, I guess, where you started and how you ended up doing, you know, the work you do now? It's a very long story. (laughs) Well, I've got all the time. (laughs) I'm like, it started when I was five years old and I'm not even being facetious. Um, So I'm a really big believer in our ability to turn our pain into power. And so while business coaching is something that I'm doing now, and I'll get into how I, how it started, it was really like an organic transition from what I was doing prior. So the way that I typically start my story is that my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was five with breast cancer terminal, and she fought really, really hard for her life. But when I was 11, she passed away. I was just about to turn 12. And that did put me on quite a spiral into self-loathing and depression. And I was still a high achiever. I was still, I still presented pretty normally, but internally I was, I was a mess. And it was in that mess that I realized one, I had a knack for supporting people. People would literally come out of the woodworks, people I was not even friends with being like, I heard you were good to talk to. Can I tell you my problems? And me being like this, like emo adolescent was like, yeah, tell me all your problems. <laughs> and I, I just felt good when I was helping others feel better. And that's when I decided that I wanted to become a, a psychologist. At like 15 years old, I was like, I'm going to become a clinical psychologist. And I was on that path. I took university courses in high school. I went into college declared as a psych major. And I decided upon graduating that I wanted to go get my doctorate. And that had always been the plan. Education was always like very, like my father was very big on continuing my education. And so I, I was as well. And I decided that before I went to get my PhD, I wanted to go travel the world because I'm like, I'm young. (laughs) And something I really internalized from watching my mom work so hard, you know, fight so hard for her life is that life is not always long. 
And I, I wanted to experience as much as I could, see as much as I could, do as much as I could before it was my time because we really never know when our time is going to come. <laughs> and uh, in summary, I, I went to India for two and a half months. I did a bit of a volunteer program. Um, I do have my qualms with international volunteering that I will not get into right now. I just always feel like I have to make that disclaimer. And I traveled quite a bit as well. Um, and then from there, I got a job in North Carolina on a whim. I literally made a huge move. I flew home from India and then packed my bags and was like living in North Carolina three or four days later. Wow. <laughs> that was my first major big move at like 22 years old. I was like, my, I got back from India and I was like, dad, I'm moving to North Carolina. And he was like, all right, nothing surprises me. <laughs> and was that in a psych job? It was exactly. So it was a continuation. It was of, of my mission to become a doctor in psychology. It was a psych related job. I was a behavioral counselor for, for behaviorally challenged children, essentially. Wow. And, and it was the most rewarding job I've ever done, but it was also incredibly difficult. <laughs> um, and so after about two and a half years, in like working my way up in, in that position in that organization, I decided it was time to pursue my doctorate, but I went to get my master's first. Long story short, which is not short at all, but I'm trying to like be concise as possible. I ended up going to NYU. I applied to NYU as the only school I applied to. That's another one of those examples of just strictly following my intuition, which was completely illogical at the time. <laughs> and I got in, so I moved with my boyfriend at the time to back to New York. And um, within two weeks, I realized I didn't want to get my doctorate. Like literally, like after 10 years of thinking that that's what I was going to do, I was like, absolutely not going to do that. <laughs> and I can imagine that would have been super daunting because I've definitely, and I was sharing with you a little bit off air, you know, like that moment I realized, oh, I've studied law for five years. I've been working in it for three, four years, and this is actually not what I want to do. There's a moment there where you have a bit of an existential crisis and you're like, oh my God, like everything I thought my life was going to be and who I am, you know, is now the, it feels like a bit of a rug pull. Like everything's just been pulled from you. But then I think you have this really nice moment and I'll, I'll let you carry on your story. Um, but where you realize, okay, my job's actually not who I am. And I'm not defined by this thing that I thought I was supposed to do and supposed to be like, doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I, I honestly will talk more about intuition, I'm sure, but the listening and knowing of that, of your truth is the most freeing thing. It's like so liberating. <laughs> um, but at the time, yes, I was definitely in an existential crisis of sorts. I, I, I joke that like I go through one every two to three years and I'll just like completely uproot my life. I'm like, oh, at least you're prepared for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I look, look at my watch. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm about due for yeah. one any minute wherever, now. Wherever due for one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the time, I just knew I didn't want to get my doctorate. I knew I didn't want to be in a lab. I didn't want to be doing research all day, every day. I didn't want to, I, I love academia, but I felt that it was something that was only, that I could only express a part of my personality and not my full self in. And uh, I always wanted to be a psychologist with the, with the expectation I was going to have my own practice. Like I was always wanting to build my own business regardless. And uh, I had discovered coaching. I get, I don't remember when, I wish I remembered exactly when, but I'm pretty sure I was in college 
And Marie Forleo was the first person that I saw, aside from Gabby Bernstein, like they were the two that I had seen that were doing something in this online space. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, <laughs> but at the time when I was younger, I thought I wanted that I needed, I'll say that I thought that I needed letters by my name to qualify me or to make me credible. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate this belief that like I need XYZ certifications and whatnot in order to be deemed worthy. And so I went through my grad school program. It was incredible. It was a, a applied psychology program really. So it was a social justice research focused program. And we were trained to either create research to inform intervention programs, prevention programs, or even inform things like policy. So, I mean, the work that I, that I was contributing to, I felt was incredible, just wasn't my path. And so upon graduating, I was in New York. So a lot of my friends were in the startup world. And I was so keen on being in the startup world because I found it fascinating and so exciting. And I wanted specifically to be in a startup that had a social impact. That was my goal. However, <laughs> given my experience and my background, nobody would hire me. Even the few interviews that I got was just simply from emailing like the CEO or something and basically being like, I applied for your job and here's why I think you should interview me or the hiring manager. And they would sometimes acquiesce. But even so, I was getting beat out by people who had relevant experience. And um, I ended up falling into a sales job. Let's just put it that way. And I was doing uh, recruitment for a company called Michael Page. Uh, which did require me to build my own book of business. And so I did learn a lot about specifically sales. And that really informs so much of the work that I do today. Um, it's crazy how everything you do aligns somehow. Like it all serves a purpose to what you're, what you're supposed to do, be doing. Even like the jobs you had in high school, like whatever it was, customer service, like it always just, the stars align somehow. <laughs> I always, always, always say that, that one day you're going to look back and be like, that's why I had that internship, <laughs> you know, like that's why I yeah. did that when I was 18 years old, it, it all does somehow funnel into what you end up doing. And Absolutely. the sales job was intentional. You know, I went in being like, if I can learn how to sell, then I can learn how to do anything. And um, I did it for longer than I anticipated. I did launch my business at the time. I told you it's a very long story, <laughs> but it all comes together, I promise. And I, uh, yeah, so I launched my coaching business at the same time, but I was working predominantly with women who wanted to build confidence and self-esteem. And specifically because I was really passionate about helping and supporting women and feeling really good about their lives. Like I mentioned, that was a, a big influence in my young adult life of, we're not, life is not always long. So we have to enjoy it as much as possible. And I also went through that phase of a lot of body image issues, a lot of self-loathing, a lot of, you know, my depressive episodes. And I figured if I can get myself through that, you know, if I can work through that, then I can support other women in doing that. And that's where I started. Fast forward again, I was getting clients here and there, a handful of clients. I got so burnt out at my job in 2018 that I quit and I went to Bali. <laughs> and that was my second, or yeah, I guess my third like big intuitive pull. Cause it, once again, it made absolutely no sense. So no reason why it was Bali. You just had a feeling or had you been I, there before? No, I just decided that that's where I was supposed to be. <laughs> Pretty good place to be if I must admit. <laughs> 
I, yeah, it was incredible. And it was a huge catalyst for, again, you know, where I am at this very moment in time. Uh, but yeah, no, nothing really like sparked Bali. It just came into my consciousness and I couldn't shake it. And a friend of mine had done her yoga teacher training and I asked her what school she had done it through. And she said, well, actually I did it through this school and I think that they have, uh, she told me a few of the locations that they have trainings in. And I looked it up and lo and behold, they had a training in Bali around the same time that I wanted to go. <laughs> Crazy. And I was like, okay, it's a sign. And <laughs> it, it wasn't an easy decision because I was really, really stressed out. I was living in New York with a ton of student loans, a job that was working me like 60 hours if I was lucky a week, maintaining a social life, you know, all the things, just balancing all the things, trying to run a, a coaching business or at least get it off the ground. And I was just burned at both ends. So I ended up, basically the universe pushed me out of my job. It was a blessing and I was so ready to go. And I went to Bali, got my teacher certification, traveled also for a month. And upon coming back, my job offered me a role. They basically had a contract position available. Actually, was they had a maternity leave. And so they asked me if I wanted to come back on contract for a completely different role that was far less stressful. And it basically funded my lifestyle because, and, and knowingly too, which is so strange for them, but they honestly, they were like, you can have a, as much flexibility as you need and as you want, as long as you do the work and we're satisfied with the quality of your work. And I had a lot of flexibility, which allowed me to launch an event series called Babes Who Brunch Club. And um, it was such a, it was, that was probably the most amazing thing that I've done up until that point was bringing all these women together on a near monthly basis in New York. Um, and once again, like that decision and, and, and that coming to fruition is such a huge, I keep saying huge catalyst, but there are all these like milestones. That was a major milestone that again, really supports me in where I am currently. And yeah, and then ultimately I ended up leaving that corporate job once again for good, left the, they basically fired me, which I was keen on because at the time I was like, they have to fire me in case I want to collect unemployment. And yeah. so I, I allowed myself to get fired. <laughs> they got tired of my shenanigans and I was tired of being there. So again, it was like this perfect timing. And it's September, 2019. That's when I went full-time in my business and I haven't looked back. That is incredible. And like anybody listening, obviously it's a, it's a, it serves as such a nice reminder that when you see somebody, you know, in the element, they didn't just wake up there. Like there's so much groundwork. There's so much change. There's so many like leap takings that have led them to that moment. But I must admit, like I am very inspired by your story. And as I was telling you before, and the listeners will all know, I've just shared with them recently that I'm making a very similar transition at the moment. I've just left my corporate job and I'm moving to Dubai um, a place I think where I'll be able to, you know, meet like-minded people and, and just be in that startup world and, and just really grow as a person as well as just challenge myself for being in a different uh, culture. But I think that step, right, of following intuition, like I've got the same thing. I feel like I need to just live out of seas, get out of my bubble, travel a bit, like something's calling me there and I don't know what it is, but I'm sure, you know, in 10 years when the stars align, I'll work it out. But I think for anybody listening, you know, the move doesn't need to be as drastic as move overseas or move out of your house, or it could be as simple as move jobs or start a new side passion or something. But it is that initial 
I'm going to say it's conflict between being comfortable and your intuition, right? There's something pulling you towards it. You feel like it's something you want to do, but you have this hesitation. It's almost like a fear of failure, a fear of the unknown. So I know you've been in that position, especially when you moved to Bali and left your comfortable bubble where everything, you know, you had a lot going on. What would you say to people in that position where they want to follow the intuition, but they are fearful? What I told myself, and even I wrote it on a post-it and put it on my computer my bosses and everyone I worked with thought I was nuts. <laughs> but I wrote, everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I, that was my mantra for a long time. Because I didn't just like wake up one day and say, I'm going to Bali tomorrow. I kind of did, but I kind of didn't. It was, it was very scary. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have like a huge safety net in terms of finances. I kept telling myself one more bonus, one more bonus, because at my job, we worked for, we had a base salary, but we made our money through bonuses, you know? And um, it was a, yeah, it was a very scary decision to make, even though I knew in my gut that it was the right choice. So I think you just have to ask yourself, and be really honest with yourself um, about whether or not you want to be in the same place a year from now. You know, if you're making a big decision, ask yourself, like, if you don't make this decision, what's the outcome? <laughs> you know, if you, yeah. where are you going to be a year from now if you don't make this investment in yourself, whether it's like through any of the things that you mentioned, changing jobs, moving overseas, moving apartments, making new friends, whatever, whatever it means whatever you're working towards, you know, and that's, that's where it came down to. I can't do this anymore. I can't be here anymore. I also have to walk and live in integrity, especially, especially for us who are in service based and service centered businesses and like in the industry, you don't have to be in integrity necessarily, but I, I would like to choose to be in integrity, you know, mm -hmm. and I want to be able to walk my talk. I want to practice what I preach and I can't in good conscience tell my clients that they're capable of anything, doing anything and that they deserve all the good things and that they should believe in themselves fearlessly if I myself am not practicing. Yeah, yeah, not doing yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. That was also a big motivator for me. I was like, I got to get in it. I have to be in integrity and like this is a non-negotiable, so. Yeah. No, I love that question of, you know, are you prepared to be in the same position you are in a year from now, particularly because a lot of the time we refrain from doing things because we feel like we're not ready or it's not the right time. And to be honest, it, there's never a right time. You know, you're never going to be prepared enough because the second you start something, you just learn as you go. You, you keep building that, that block and you're always going to look back at the first time you did something and be like, oh my God, that was terrible. But if you keep putting off that first time, you're only prolonging that growth and that experience that comes from that journey. So I think that's a really good question to ask and also serves as a really nice reminder that there's never a perfect time. I think it's also a good way to just stop and ask if you were to do that thing, what would your life look like? And if you weren't to do that thing, what would your life look like? And which are you happy to kind of not settle for, but accept? So I really love that. And I think it's um, a good one to ask, especially if you're feeling that intuitive kick. I know what that feels like. And it gets louder and louder and it doesn't go away. It might not bother you for a couple of days or months, but it just, you know, it'll keep popping up until you literally have to stop your life and follow it. So, um, I think that's a really good one to reflect on as well. Was there anything else that helped you connect with your intuition? Like, do you have any practices or anything you personally do outside of say like mantras 
that really help you connect with that? Because I think a lot of people may know what we're talking about when we say get that gut feeling and it gets louder and louder, but maybe connecting with it is a bit of a different question. So I have a ton of tools and I also think that everyone, that it looks different for everybody. Another thing that I just wanted to say before I move on completely is when what helped me make that choice. Another thing that I, I like to remind people is that we're all going to die. <laughs> like we're all going to die. So you, do you want, like, do you want to die with regrets? That's the other thing. I rather try and fail and not have anything to regret on my deathbed because at least yeah. I went after what I wanted to go after. And again, because we never know when our last day is. Um, and in terms of, of really paying attention to my intuition and tapping into my intuition, one thing that I think is just universal for people is movement and like moving their bodies, getting into their bodies and like creating a connection. I think especially as women, we're essentially taught and conditioned to see our bodies as separate as us. You know, mm -hmm. we have our mind, we have our body, but they're not one and the same. We often don't integrate because I, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for myself and for a lot of women in my life um, and women that I know. We're at war with our bodies from that time that we're, you know, pre-adolescent. And so a lot of times for me, at least, like there's a lot of information that comes to my body that tells me what I really want or tells me what I really don't want, tells me what's good for me, tells me what's not good for me. But if you're not connected to your body, if you see it as something separate from you, then you're not going to listen to what's happening inside. You're not going to be able to hear your body's wisdom. And so I think one of the first things that people can do to really get into in touch with themselves, to get in touch with their body and to stop warring with their body and to stop seeing it as something that's separate from them. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. It sounds simple, but it's definitely not easy. But so yeah, to like connect back to and drop into as much as possible your body. So that's the first thing I would say. Yeah, I love that reframe because you're so right. We are taught that our bodies are separate and it's um, so easy to, to fall into that disconnect, especially if you see it as something that's separate to who you are. And like movement is one thing I would say as well. Meditation is another one for me that helps connect the mind and the body and just realign yourself, you know, just get your head into your body. And so you can feel what it's telling you. Like our bodies are so smart. You know, when you have like weird cravings for sweet things or, you know, savory things, like often there's a reason for that. And it's just like, just following whatever comes up for you, not judging it and not being like, Oh, I shouldn't be doing that. Or, you know, just listening to your body. And I think the more you just intentionally go out of your way to do that the easier it sort of becomes and at the time like you said you mentioned before the word irrational it often does feel really irrational like my partner had had a really really successful business here in Sydney you know had a very good what you know society would deem job as a lawyer highly esteemed and you know from the outside it may look like we've thrown that away he sold his business and I've left my job but there's something there's something between us intuitively that we feel as a pool. We feel that it's necessary for our life path. And so I think sometimes if, even if it seems irrational, you, you kind of see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So definitely. No, absolutely. And I think you're right. Like I think movement and stillness, you know, movement and stillness are the two if you don't do anything else, you don't have to chant, you don't have to do Kundalini, you don't have to go to India, you don't have to do any of those things. If you can just connect to your body and drop into your body through movement and like deep recognition and awareness of you, like your full, <laughs> for those of you who are listening, I'm like motioning from full body. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
or if you and also if you not only move your body and drop into your body but drop into stillness drop into a, a place where you can just truly listen to what your even your mind i think people have this misconception of meditation as it's meant to completely quiet your mind while that may be the ultimate like transcendence you may get there over time the practice of meditation is not to be completely quieter in your mind it's to bring yourself back to your breath. It's to bring yourself back to yourself, to the present yeah. moment. However, the byproduct of doing something like that is that when we do have thoughts or when thoughts do come through or like even downloads, because a lot of people will get some of their best ideas, it's in, it's in complete presence. So you can actually hear yourself and tell your, and like tell yourself what you actually want and what you mm -hmm. actually need outside of all the noise of the day-to-day, -day, the grind, the rat race, et cetera. Yeah. And that yeah. was a big moment for me. Like I literally, <laughs> my trip to Bali, I, it, it started with a desire and a joke with my, with my bosses. I was like, if I, can I go on vacation? And he was like, absolutely not. You've used up all your vacation time. And I was like, can I go on vacation if I make a hundred K in the quarter, which I had never done before. And he was like, if you make a hundred K in the quarter, then I will let you go on unpaid vacation. <laughs> and I was like, deal. <laughs> And it became this like running joke where like 90 days to hundred K and like, I got everybody involved. Like my whole team was joking along with me and then it became not a joke. It became a reality. Crazy. And so, <laughs> yeah, crazy how that works. Um, but it was just like, the, again, it was a milestone in my career. And uh, at that point I wasn't quite prepared to go to Bali. It was the end of the year. It wasn't actually something that I was going to follow through with, but I couldn't get it out of my mind. And uh, then I asked my friend, as I mentioned about her yoga teacher training, and I looked it up and it had a training in Bali at the same time I wanted to be there, ideally. So all roads pointed to Bali in that exact moment when I noticed that there was a uh, scholarship for that training in Bali, I applied for it. It was like a social media scholarship, I applied for it. A couple of days later, they messaged me back saying, congratulations, you've been accepted. Here's your scholarship. I chickened out. I said, no. Oh, it would have yeah. gotten louder. That intu intuitive kick would have gotten even louder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like literally all signs are pointed to Bali, but I was too scared in that very moment to say yes. So I basically wrote them back and said, I'm so sorry. Like my plans have changed. I can't accept this scholarship. Um, and I always tell people like, if you're going to do something, just do it as early as possible because you're going to end up paying more because I've done it more than once where I do the thing <laughs> eventually anyway. And then I pay full price or I pay more because I wasn't listening to my gut, At the but time. it was never not happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think deep down, deep down, there's something within you that knows that, but you still kind of push it away a little bit. Of course. Of course. I ended up going to Bali just and to that training, just without a scholarship. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I, that was I'm your getting, karma. <laughs> that's my karma. Someone else got it who deserved it. And that's beautiful. Um, but what I like, so that was all happening. I turned it down at first and then I, I progressively got more and more depressed. And so again, like in terms of tapping into your intuition, you really want to look at your symptoms because if you're feeling super stuck, if you're feeling really depressed or low energy or any of, you, you know, anything that is bringing you down, making you feel heavy, it's because you're not acting on something. It's not because you are in fact stuck. It's not because you are depressed. It's, you know, it's not even because you need vitamins. That's a whole nother thing. 
because I got, I was like, I was told by my doctor that I was deficient in a few vitamins. And I was told by my therapist that maybe I'd want to consider mood stabilizers at the time, because I was really like, I felt so heavy at the time. I felt really, really stuck. And, um, and uh, that is an indication, I think for a lot of people that something's not right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about like just general mental health issues and people who struggle with mental health all their life. And that's a, that's a bit of a different, I, I can't speak to that exactly, but for anyone who is like their baseline is pretty, you know, is pretty even keel. And then suddenly they get, they hit a patch where they're feeling really dissatisfied, really depressed, really low energy. It's because something's not, that something's not an integrity, something's not aligned in your life. Yeah. I resonate with this so much, especially after like, you know, the last few years we've had in and out of lockdowns in Australia, it's been particularly, um, you know, all over the shop. I had a period where I was feeling like particularly low, everything you've said, like lack of motivation, low energy, all those things. When I got a blood test, doctor said, everything's fine. Intuitively, I know something is completely off here. And so it, then it's the question of, obviously you have the mental health category, which is a big one to consider, but I feel like it was like, I was saying to my partner, like, I actually feel like I have an energy block, like something is not moving through me. And I feel like that happens when we are not they call it, you know, like when you're not in alignment, when you're not doing the thing that, you know, is supposed to fulfill you or just the way you're conducting your life is just not serving you in some way. Maybe it's the people around you. Maybe it's what you're eating or your habits or whatever it is. But I definitely, definitely know that feeling where everything externally, everything on paper looks like tick all good. You're good to go. But you just have that feeling something's wrong. And I would really, really urge people if they are feeling that, And they're not getting that validation externally to really go internally. Like, you know, your body best, you know, what, what they measure is, is what the general population needs to meet to be, you know, healthy or whatever, whatever it is. And that's obviously like important things to look at too. But, but deep down, if you know, something's off, then that's really when the internal work needs to start, when you need to start changing the key areas of your life. So the areas of balance are your health, your relationships and your area of fulfillment, which would be your work and your hobbies and your volunteer work and all that sort of thing. And often I find when I haven't got the right balance of each. So if I am spending too much time in the fulfillment category, not enough of my health and my relationships, that's when I start to feel that dip. So often it's about coming back inward and saying, okay, which area am I not aligned in? What's not serving me right now? Where can I make the shifts? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And that's essentially what I ended up doing. I was actively doing yoga at the time. And I, the, the thing that pushed me over the edge, more or less, was I was on the yoga mat. I had just done a hot yoga class and I, I don't remember what I set my intention. I don't know. I don't remember what intention I set, but I remember getting into Shavasana and just like asking the universe, like, please give me a sign. Like, what do I do? You know, like, and when I say universe, I was asking myself, like my inner knowing, whatever it might be, but I, I was just feeling so like, in surrender in that moment. Yeah. And a little bit helpless. And like, I was, I was crying and I was like in Shavasana and, (laughs) and I heard a voice that told me to relax. Like, I'm not even kidding. You know, it was just like, I told myself, I guess, Natalie relax. And I was like, that's not an answer. (laughs) No, that's not (laughs) Not good enough. Not what I was asking for. It's never the answer you think you want to hear. It's never that. (gasps) No. But something also told me as I was getting ready to leave to walk to the Union Square subway station, which was a 15 minute walk or so. And it, you know, and it wasn't like warm outside. It was a nice day, but it was fall or I don't remember exactly. Maybe it was like 
I don't remember. Um, but I decided to walk. And as I'm walking, I, I passed this bookstore that I must have passed a ton, like a million times <laughs> in my life. But it was like this esoteric like bookstore where there was this all things witchy and alternative and esoteric. And so I thought to myself, they probably have a tarot card reader in there and I'm going to go get my tarot cards read. Love it. Um, you know, because I think all of these tools, all these divination tools are really just there to tell us what we already know. And it's nice sometimes to have affirmation. It's nice for someone to reassure us and say, yes, you are on the right path or no, you're not, you know, yeah. even though we already know. So I did that. And the first thing she tells me is that this is my year of travel and asking if I have travel plans. And I did have plans to go to Mexico City, but I was like, kind of, yes, whatever. And then she asked me, do you teach yoga? And I said, no, not currently. And she's like, well, your spirit guides are telling me that you should. And I was like, okay. And then I told her, I don't remember how the conversation went, but I told her about Bali and she was like, yeah, like it's very loud that you should go to Bali, you know, that teaching yoga is going to somehow open up doors for you, that this is like the right thing. And she also told me one of my spirit like team guides is a monk, like a Buddhist monk. And That's I awesome. Like, I was like, okay, <laughs> um, why not? Sounds great. And that was a moment where I was like, okay, I, I just have to do this. And that's when I started to put things in, in motion, into motion. But it, again, like I'm telling the story also one, because I'm just highlighting that movement and stillness are sometimes the two most important things, but also that you, from the time that you have your intuitive nudge and from the time that you actually take action in most instances, it's not overnight, especially mm -hmm. if it's the first time that you're ever doing something like that. You do have to give your nervous system time to catch up to your desires. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our mind always moves so much faster than our bodies. Correct. And so you're not serving yourself if you're just taking like a knee-jerk reaction. Like sometimes you are, but if it really causes so much anxiety and so much stress, you might be doing yourself a disservice. So like just allowing, I, I just want to give people permission to, to take their time. If you're taking little steps, you're still taking steps. And you're yeah. going to get to the, you're going to get there eventually and right on time. Absolutely. It really is. It's that permission to just sit with something. It's not to feel guilty that you didn't act on it straight away because very rarely, I mean, even though things can feel irrational when you end up doing them, it's, it's very unlikely you're going to make a huge adjustment overnight. Like it definitely takes time to process and think about it and do all those sorts of things. So I think that's a really uh, nice thing to pass on to everybody listening. You know, any intuitive kicks you've had, just start to reflect on them. Meditation is a great way to do it, but you might like journaling. You might like speaking to somebody. You might like more divination uh, paths, you know, connecting with your spirit guides, if that's something for you or connecting with the universe or whatever it is, you know, just start to think about it. And then I feel like, I mean, I guess it's definitely like that reticular activation system. But once you start thinking about something, like you said, then you talk to a friend who's doing, who knows about a course in Bali or for us, it was like literally the week after we said we were going to do it. I, I interviewed somebody who was, who told me that they were going to be in Dubai, like doing a talk and just things start to align. You start being connected with people and the path becomes clearer and clearer, but definitely you need time to reflect. And actually I saw something you put on your story yesterday or this morning. And I think it's a, it's an opportune time to say it was a, a, basically a quote about reframing and I really loved it. And it read, you're not being tested. You're receiving an experience where you get to practice who you are, which I think is really, really beautiful for anybody currently going through a tough time, maybe going through some change, maybe, um, you know, 
feeling a little bit apprehensive about anything going on in their life, feeling fear, whatever it is. It's like when you feel like you're being tested and like every part of your life is just kind of being rug pulled underneath you or being shifted. I think remembering that's an experience where you get to practice who you are is almost like that's your moment to execute. That's your moment to just align yourself with your, you know, your, your true self and giving yourself that pause and that moment to think about your response and think about how you connect with whatever's going on is exactly what's going to help you be true to yourself in the moment. So I just wanted to uh, bring that in at some point in the conversation. I feel like this was a good point and just sort of ask you if you had any additional thoughts on it. Cause I think it's such a powerful reframe. Yeah. And actually I, I just want to give the person credit who, who said it originally. Um, so I'm going to have to find her, but I think it's Sarah Buckland and it's not someone I know personally, but I basically reposted one of her, her posts because I do think that it's incredibly important, um, to recognize that oh, I'm trying to like gather my thoughts because I did want That's to right. I take was, a minute if you need, I was searching for her to be like, who was it exactly who said it? Cause I definitely wanted to give her, um, to give her credit, but so basically the quote that you're, um, that you're referencing is the one that says, um, about that life is not testing you or like the universe isn't testing you. It's just giving you an opportunity to be more of who you are. Yes. Um, and so the reason I, I, I posted that, um, and I reposted that from, from someone else as a reframe is because I think in the terms of manifestation, um, we're often, there, there are people who believe that we're going to get tests that like, we're going to have these obstacles and it's going to gather whether or not we're prepared, gather whether or not we're ready for the manifestation that we, that we truly want to come through. And the reason I like this reframe is that it's not really a test. It's just an opportunity to be more of who you are is because I truly, truly believe. And I always say that the super, the, the future version of you, the highest self, you know, all of that is exactly who you are in this very moment. There's really no separation. If we if we think about like the space time continuum, there's really no separation between now and, and yesterday or now and five years from now. Like it's all sort of happening in tandem. And I do to some extent subscribe to that to that belief, um, that philosophy, that theory. And I don't think that there is any separation between who we want to be and who we perceive ourselves to be and who our highest self, like who, what, what our highest self is. Um, I think we have the opportunity to tap into it at all times. And so when we have, when we're experiencing particularly challenging situations, obstacles, tests, the things that, pre that present themselves as tests, it's really just giving us an opportunity to tap into the, like who we really want to be like how we really want to be how we want to show up in the world and yeah <laughs> does that yeah. answer yeah no absolutely I guess I just wanted to know your thoughts on it because I think the quote really does speak for itself but I think it's one worth discussing um the only thing I would add is I, I think it really helps us reframe it in a way where it's like it's if, if you think it's something is a test, it feels like the world is against you a little bit. But if you're seeing it as an opportunity, you see that things are, are happening for you. So it's that reframe of the world's not really against you. Like, you know, things are happening for your highest good or for your future self or for your best self, whatever, however you want to subscribe to it. So I think that's a, um, a really powerful one and one I just wanted to loop in. But before we do wrap up our conversation, there is one more thing I wanted to ask you about. And it's really about your experience healing 
through business building. And I was telling you a little bit off air that, that this podcast for me is really like a self-development tool. Like I speak to so many incredible people like yourself who've had just crazy life stories, you know, people I never would have connected with. Even then down to the listeners, I'm, I have the opportunity to discuss things that come up on the podcast or things going on in their life. Like for me, it's such a growing and healing process. So I understand, I guess, from that point of view, what, what this uh, concept is about, but I really wanted to know about your experience. Cause I think it, it makes having a business or being an entrepreneur or following what you want to do. It, it, it joins work and life. So in the traditional, when we look at balance from a traditional, you know, what people strive for, it's generally that work-life balance, which is something I really steer away from because my whole life I've been made to feel subscribing to that, that uh, metric that the two have to be separate and they can't be linked. So when I found myself doing all these things on the side that I was so passionate about, you know, my, I'd have people like my parents telling me like, you've got no life, like you've got to take time off what you're doing. And I was like, but I love it so much. And like, I've got the time to do it now. I don't have kids. I don't have crazy overhead, stuff like that. So I think this concept of healing through business building is one that aligns with me personally, moves away from that work-life balance. And I just wanted to know about, I guess, your experience with it too. Yeah, I love your perspective. Um, so there are so many things that come up when you decide that you're going to build your own business, specifically, I think, too, around building a personal brand and a, and a business that is tied to some extent to who you are and, and how you want to show up in the world. You know, not saying that there has to be, there is no separation because, you know, how we present online is still not fully, you can't get a full experience of a person through just their, you know, persona online. However, in the coaching space or in the industry that I'm in, a lot of times people will buy not based on all the things that you know, although that's like a cherry on top, but because of how they're magnetized to your energy, how you make them feel, how they can relate to you. And so I think in our industry, a lot of times who we are and, and, who, and what our business is, is intertwined. Mm -hmm. And with that, for a lot of people comes a lot of shadow. And for a lot of people, myself included, there's shadow around visibility, either like being seen at all, because a lot of people, they want to serve others, they want to help, they want to make an impact on the world, but they don't want to be seen, which is quite a challenge if you're building an online business and an online presence. Or they want to be seen, but they're fearful of being too much because of conditioning, because of friends or family or, you know, teachers who've told them to sit down and shut up, so to speak, you know, like, don't be too much, you're outshining others, all this type of conditioning that can come from being a very extroverted or like shiny person. So visibility is a big thing. Money is always often spoken about. And it's, it's a thing that no matter what, if you grew up with a lot of money, or if you grew up with absolutely no money, there's still stories that we carry either passed down from us through generations or just by witnessing our parents operating the world, our, our personal experiences where there's shame or fear around money, fear of having too little, fear of having too much. And that's often having to be worked through because if you're afraid of money in any capacity, then how are you going to run a sustainable business? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be quite challenging. So there's a lot of shadow things that come up, a lot of things that we have to face about who we are and how we show up in the world and then do the work to, to essentially feel the way that we want to feel about ourselves, which will in turn impact how successful our business is. So 
I, I always tell people, if you want to go through like a really <laughs> intense, like personal discovery period or spiritual, like, like awakening of sorts, then start a business because <laughs> you'll have to face everything. Yeah. And then one thing I want to touch on too is the healing through community. So a lot of times I will support my clients in building a community and not just followers and not just fans, because that's not what we're about. We really want to build deep, meaningful connections and, and ideally connect others. Because I think when we create an ecosystem, then we all can succeed. You know, if my clients are hiring each other or supporting one another, sharing each other's work, et cetera, then everyone is winning. You know, mm -hmm. we all come up together. And that's incredibly healing too. One, because if you're facilitating, again, you have to get visible um, and you have to be seen. That's just part of the process. But also in feeling that kind of support in, in, in being appreciated for who you actually are, you know, in making meaningful connections when a lot of times as women, again, I'm, I'm talking about the conditioning, the social conditioning that we face, but we're taught to compete against other women. Women are a competition. We're not meant to be in cahoots, you know? Um, whereas like when you really start to build out a network and, and a community of people, there really is no room for competition. You have to heal your sisterhood wounds, you know, mm -hmm. for, uh, for lack of a better term. So I can go on forever, but yeah, just quickly, like those are my thoughts on healing through business building. Yeah, no, I love that. And it, it's something I'm going through, have gone through. I think it's an ongoing process. You know, the more you scale, then new lessons come up. Even even in the phase where you're in pre-contemplation, you're getting things ready to launch and then you launch and then you do the next thing. Like at every milestone, there is so much growth and learning because you you cannot know all these things when you start. And so it's only natural you know, that it, it kind of fuses as you go on. And like you said, if your work is in that in that coaching space, then of course there's so much overlap. Um, but just quickly before we go, and this question is going to be relevant to anybody listening who maybe they've got a business, maybe they don't have one and they want to start one. Maybe they work for somebody else and they just want something, you know, on the side for themselves or they're looking at the moment. I know you said this is something you do with your clients. So you help them from the moment they're actually trying to work out what it is they want to do. But do you have any high level tips for people on how to actually maybe get some clarity or some direction when they are searching? So, you know, whether that is starting from scratch or whether they do have something established, for example, me like this podcast, you know, and wanting to take it somewhere different. Do you have any tips on how to get that clarity and direction? There are different things that you, one might want to do if they are just ideating and aren't sure about their direction yet and versus someone who has something established. Like there's, diff, there's just a bit of a different process. Um, so I think first things first, you really want to get clear on who you want to serve specifically. And, uh, and it can be incredibly detailed and it can also be like, I want to serve women who are struggling with, let's say, you know, feeling dissatisfied in their life and they want to experience more success in their careers, or maybe they want to experience success in their relationships, or they want to learn how to better nourish their bodies through movement, food, and exercise. The, the thing is a lot of times when people are getting started, they're like, I want to help people. And that's yeah, wonderful. We, we all do, you know, like, 
if you're getting into this type of industry, then that's at the heart of what you want to do. But exactly, it's too broad. And so really getting clear on who you want to help. And I think a, an easy way of doing that, and this is not true for everybody, but often when we're getting into a certain area of expertise, it's because it's some, it's a, we're, we're, we want to teach a lesson that we've already learned. You know, we, we, for me, it was confidence and self-esteem building because I went from a place of like, I mean, I had self-esteem to some extent, but it was really wrapped up in my achievements and whatnot. But I felt so unworthy on so many, in so many other areas of my life. I also felt unworthy if I wasn't achieving, right? So mm -hmm. that was very unstable self-esteem. And I, I did a lot of work to really, to really come full circle and learn to love myself. And of course, there's no switch that like, you don't hit a self-love switch and then you love yourself for eternity. That would be really nice. You have to learn how to love yourself at every stage that you're in, especially if you're in a difficult stage, period of time. However, you have the tools. And so when I was first starting out, I, I really wanted to work with women who wanted to feel better in their skin. But even that was a bit too broad. So I think getting really clear on what you went through and the lesson that you learned that you want to then bring to other people and how you can communicate with those people. The other thing that often goes unspoken is the transformation that people can expect to see. And this is the case for people who are in business for a while and people who are just starting out. They focus so much on like what you're going to get, you know, either your pain points and, and who they want to work with um, and or exactly what's in their program or, you know, the tangible things, like the logistical things. When in reality, no one's buying based on if it's five phone calls or four phone calls or three phone calls, they're going to invest in you if they know that you're going to ser like serve them in X capacity. Mm -hmm. So focusing on the transformation and, and really talking to people about where, where are their challenges, where are their frustrations, and then painting the picture of possibility for them. So it's not about shame. Old marketing tactics would have you shaming people, having them feel embarrassed, really like <laughs> finding their pain points and then driving, driving, you know, your marketing against their pain points. That's not the world that I like to live in. I like to talk to people's possibility, their potential, what is possible for them if they do listen to this podcast, if they invest in this program, if they come to the retreat, like what, what, what's in the realm of possibility for yeah. them specifically? Yeah, no, I love that reframe. It's a good way to, I guess, make sales a little bit more human in a way. Um, <laughs> and can, and just honestly, and it's just about genuinely connecting with people. I think we live in an online world now where even something like an e-commerce brand, you can really cut through the BS. You can see when a brand genuinely wants to build a community or connect with real women or, you know, just hear what people have to say. So that's something that's always at the front of my mind. And it doesn't need to be this forced, like, I need to do this because that's a way to connect with people. It's just genuinely, if you have started a business and it's not just for... Um, monetary reasons sorry if you can hear my dog barking in the background <laughs> um, and it's not just for monetary reasons you are going to have a genuine purpose as to why you did that and it's just about you know just simplifying I think sometimes we think we need to go so crazy um, and, and you know do all these shiny glamorous things but it's simplifying it's it's the purpose it's the why and things sort of spit out of that but coming back to like ideation you know if you want to if you're in that position where you want to pass on something you've learned or something that's helped you, then you're already, you're already in an opportune moment. I think it's more for people who 
just want something else, but they don't know what that something else is. So maybe they haven't gone through some big transformation themselves. I think the process of you just trying to work out what you want to do will be a transformation, you know? So sometimes it's not, it's not about finding that thing that you've already learned. Like, I mean, for me, there was a bit of imposter syndrome being 26 years old and thinking about wanting to do coaching to some extent. And then also thinking, well, I've only just started a business and I've only worked in corporate for X amount of years. Like who am I to teach other people? But through, you know, doing the podcast, I'm storytelling from other people. I'm learning from other people, this process of getting to whatever the next thing is for me. I'm learning so much along the way. So I think once you just get the wheels in motion and, and just follow what intuitively you shouldn't want to be doing, I think you just work it out, right? I agree <laughs> well, I'm hoping, with you. I'm hoping I work it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's already worked out. So one of my favorite like things that my friends and I came up with, like rolling around the dust at Burning Man a few years ago, is like it's happening happened, and it's just like this, you know, common um, manifestation. Uh, rhetoric around like everything that you want is already here and already and also on its way to you in tandem like it's already happening happened and so yes I think exactly what you're saying is true that in the process of just figuring it out that's going to that's that's the important stuff like again like we're all gonna die so like even if you don't know what that next thing is even if you don't know what your in quotations purpose is it doesn't actually matter because no matter where you get to, you even said earlier, like no matter what milestone you hit, there's always the next milestone. There's always the next milestone. There's always the next milestone. And if we're only basing our satisfaction, quality of life off of where we are in terms of our milestones, we're going to completely, we're going to be dissatisfied forever because we're always chasing a moving goalpost. So mm -hmm. the whole idea in this life is to have as much fun as possible and enjoy the journey. Like I always tell people too, there's fun in the hard stuff. Because the hard stuff is usually what gives you the opportunity to really learn more about who you are and be more of who you are. So even if it's not fun in the very moment, and even if it's like painful at times, like there's still, there's still fun because also even in the painful times, happiness can exist. Joy can exist. Like thing, we often experience a whole range of emotions in a single day, sometimes in a single moment. So it's finding ways to, to pull out the moments of joy, to, to romanticize your life, to romanticize the journey so that you're not only waiting for the big moments because life is made up of the little moments. It's not made up of the milestones. Um, so that's my rant. And now someone's doing construction somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I think that that rant is such a beautiful place to end our conversation. And you're absolutely right. It is those, like that quote, you know, so those tough moments that are the opportunity for you to be the best version of yourself. It's not a moment to test you. And really those moments that we wait for, you know, those milestones we set ourselves, I don't know about you, but you reach it and it's really like not as satisfying as what you thought. It's almost like it's slowly, um, don't get me wrong, like obviously things are exciting and whatnot, but they're short-lived because then you just shift your focus and focus on the next thing. So I think if you spend all your time looking ahead and just waiting for this one thing and you're not allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to enjoy along the way. So I agree with everything you've said. I've really, really enjoyed getting to know you and hearing about your journey and your story today. So I just want to thank you so much for sharing that, being very genuine and open on today's podcast. I love your energy. I love what you're doing. Um, so I'm really grateful to have had you on. And if people want to follow your journey and connect with you a little bit more, where's the easiest place they can do so? My Instagram account. <laughs> so Living on IG. My yeah 
Yes, um, it's just the easiest and fastest way to get in communication with me. So that's just at Natalie underscore knows as in K-N-O-W-S. So Beautiful. All right, well, I'll pop links to all of that below. Thank you again for your time. And I look forward to seeing where you're traveling to next or if you're staying put or whatever the future holds for you. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me on today. It was really a pleasure.